This podcast is from our online worship service on Sunday the 21st of February and a warm welcome to everyone uh, listening today by telephone. Just a couple of wee things before we get started uh, today. For those that are are just following along with the readings uh, in Mark's Gospel at the moment, this coming week we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 8 verse 30 right up to Mark chapter 10, 52. So the end of Mark 10, if you want to follow uh, along with us. A couple of wee points for uh, prayer at the moment. Um, I just got news this morning that uh, Margaret McGill, who will be known to to many of you, uh, is ill in hospital at the moment. And Margaret's a BB officer with the Third Greenock BB company that meets at Mount Kirk. If you could please remember Margaret in your prayers just now. And also I'd mentioned uh, that Mrs Anne Clark had passed away the week before last uh, and now have information about Anne's funeral. So her funeral service will take place at Greenock Crematorium this coming Wednesday at 11am. So again, please remember Anne's family in your prayers. Uh, Our theme today is going to be looking at the resurrection of Jesus. And so in in my prayers at the beginning and in the hymns that we'll be singing later on, I've tried to include that in uh, our praise and our worship as well. And this goes right to the very heart of the the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that we worship a saviour who is not lying in a tomb somewhere, but who is alive and risen. And he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And this is good news for us in so many ways, which I'll explain uh, in later on in our service. But as we meet together, as we gather, uh, let's pray together. And wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, we try and still our hearts and try and um, avoid distractions as best as we can. I know it's difficult when we are watching on a TV screen or watching on a phone, but to try and still our hearts to be in God's presence and to worship together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together in worship today. Even though we are scattered, even though we aren't able to gather together in person, Lord, we pray that we would be able to have fellowship joined together in Jesus' name. We thank you for the faith that we share. We thank you for the the bonds of peace that bind us together through the Holy Spirit. And as we worship together, Lord, make your presence known in a real and tangible way. That we would know that you are with us. That we would have a sense of awe and wonder that the God who made this universe should seek to be close to us and who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem, who lived and died on the cross and rose again from the dead for us. So Lord, make yourself known to us. Fill us with your joy, with your love, with your peace. And as we read and listen to your word together, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we would 
take your words to heart, that they would speak directly and powerfully into our lives, transforming us and changing us and filling us with hope and a desire to worship and serve you. So as we meet as God's family across this town and across the nations, we pray together the family prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. As our theme is the resurrection of Jesus, our first hymn we're going to sing together. And if you want to sing along at home, feel free to do so. Is in Christ alone. And then after that, we're going to sing Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. My strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. In the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless babe This gift of love And righteousness Scorned by the ones He came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on Him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live of the world by darkness slain then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse 
I decided to do something a bit different this week and filmed the first half of my message walking around the old cemetery in Greenock on what was a pretty wild day. But this is Mark chapter 16. I'm reading from verse 1. If you have a Bible at home, feel free to read along. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. It was in July 2016 that my mum passed away very suddenly and was very shocking to me and to all my family. It was a devastating loss for all of us. After my mum's funeral, I would visit my mum's grave at Knocknears Hill Cemetery, not every day, but fairly regularly. I can remember when I was a wee boy, my granny, who would look after us during summer holidays, myself and my sister, would take us to the graveyard to see my grandpa's grave. Not every day, but most days over the summer. And the bribe was often a can of top deck and a Mr. Man Ice Lolly, if anybody remembers them. Mum hated cemeteries. I never understood why my granny wanted to be there so often. And she told me not to be back and forward visiting her grave when she died. But when you're grieving, it can be a comfort, as it is like a place of connection with the person you have lost. But I remember one day being up at my mum's grave and hearing the words of the angels to Mary Magdalene at the empty tomb, as he said to her, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Those words of the scripture stopped me in my tracks, and I still hear them ringing in my ears whenever I go there now and again. But those same words fill me with such hope. Not because it's wishful thinking, but because it is true. Jesus is risen. And I know that my mum is in his presence while her body awaits its final resurrection on the last day. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives all of us the ultimate meaning to life and to death. Everything hinges on whether Jesus truly rose again from the dead. And today I wanted to talk to you not 
about whether it happened or not. That's perhaps for another occasion. But what it means and why it can fill us with such hope. Not just in the difficult times, in the challenging times, times when we are grieving, but when we are thinking of our own lives, our own mortality, none of us are going to live forever, that is a fact. But to challenge us to think about the truth, about why Jesus came, why we should put our trust in him, how we can trust him with our own lives and with our own deaths. I came back in the church again for the second uh, half of my message today. And when we look at the words that the angel spoke to Mary Magdalene, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Mary was not expecting to see Jesus risen that first Easter Sunday morning. And neither were any of the other disciples. They all saw him risen as they met together in the upper room. Jesus appeared to them. We're told that Thomas wasn't there the first time and he didn't believe. And then Jesus appeared to them a second time. And he said to Thomas, look, the marks, put your hand in my side where the wound is. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he realized it was Jesus. Now, today's message is not to prove to anyone that Jesus rose from the dead. That's for a, a completely different day. But when we look at the scriptures, there's huge circumstantial evidence and the evidence of the first eyewitness accounts in the Gospels that Jesus rose again from the dead. And then we're told in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians that over 500 people saw Jesus on one occasion between his resurrection and his ascension to heaven. Now, if all these people were hallucinating, having the same hallucination, that is would be very, very unusual, if not impossible. But they all saw him physically alive. He later met with his disciples up in Galilee, in the north of Israel, and he had breakfast with them. He ate fish. Even though Jesus' body was somehow different from our bodies, he was able to appear in a room or go through walls like a, a ghost or a spirit, and yet he was physical. Mary was able to hug him. Thomas was able to put his hand in the side where the wounds were. He was able to eat fish with his disciples. There's lots of evidence that Jesus really did rise from the dead. But what I really wanted to talk about today is the meaning of the resurrection. What does the, the resurrection tell us? Why is it good news? Following on from what I was saying about Mary Magdalene and the great surprise at finding Jesus risen from the dead. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. First thing that we can say about the resurrection is that rising again, Jesus conquered death. That is the best news for humanity that we could ever hear. And 
Why do I say that? Because the scriptures tell us this. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, this is Jesus speaking in a vision given to the Apostle John. And Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Hades was the word the Greeks had for the place of the dead where people went when they died and they believed somewhere underground that there was this world under the ground, uh, a spiritual world where dead people lived for the remainder of their, their days. And so what we're being told here is that Jesus has conquered death. He has the keys of death and Hades, the underworld. He says, I'm alive forever and ever. And then at the end of the book of Revelation, we're told the implications of Jesus conquering death. And we're told that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And this message is to God's people who are with him in heaven. But it's also a message for us today. A message of hope. A message of good news. That this is the implication of Jesus rising again from the dead, that he has conquered death. And for all who put their trust in him, there is no more death, there is no more suffering, there is no more pain. That one day all these things will be gone, will be over. Because Jesus has conquered death. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 14, where Paul tells us, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So Paul's telling us that if we believe that Jesus really rose again from the dead, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, in other words, those who have believed in Jesus as Saviour, who have died and in the New Testament, and it was quite common at that time to say that someone had fallen asleep. You know, we have our own phrases that perhaps would have seemed odd to people at that time. We use the phrase, people have passed away. So being fallen asleep is a similar phrase to saying that someone has passed away, that they are now asleep. Um, in other words, they have, they have died. So those who have died in Jesus, Jesus will bring them with him when he returns for us to understand this, we have to get an understanding of how the Jews understood death and resurrection and eternal life. You see, one of the reasons the Jews buried their dead and didn't cremate them, uh, although there is nothing uh, wrong with cremation in itself, but for the early Jews and early Christians, uh, burial was important because they believed that when a person died, their spirit left the body and rose to God in heaven. But on the last day, the day of judgment, when Christ, we're told in the Bible, will return, people will be given new physical bodies again. God is going to recreate this earth when there will be no division between heaven and earth. So heaven is coming to earth and all those who have died in the Lord will receive new bodies, bodies which won't fail, bodies which won't get ill, bodies which are not going to wear out, bodies which will last for eternity, just like the body that Jesus had 
when he rose again from the dead. That's good news. The fact that death affects every single one of us. And perhaps some of us have experienced the loss of loved ones in the past, or perhaps even thinking of our own mortality and our own death in the future. Death touches every single person and every single family, although, yes, in different ways. But this is the good news, that because Jesus rose again from the dead, we're told by Paul that God has defeated the final enemy, death. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because Jesus rose again. Second thing we can say about the resurrection is because Jesus rose again, rising again, Jesus proved who he was. Jesus made claims about himself, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. Uh, sometimes he did it in a very indirect way, and other times he did it in a, a more direct way. But throughout the scriptures, Jesus claims to be equal with God and claims to be God in the flesh. And all the testimony of scripture that we have, and looking at the Old Testament that foretold the coming of Christ into the world, tells us that this was not just going to be a man, but this was God coming to his people, God himself coming to earth in human form. And that this God would give himself for us, lay down his life in sacrifice for our sins, and after three days he would rise again from the dead. That was foretold even long before Jesus was even born. Jesus is the only one who has ever lived that fulfills all of those things, that fits the picture of the Christ who was promised. We're told in Romans chapter 1, at the beginning, Paul says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, just as I was saying. And the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. In other words, what Paul is telling us, that the, the ultimate proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, is that he was raised from the dead after three days. It is absolutely certain that Jesus was dead in that tomb. When they took him down from the cross and they buried him in that stone tomb, he was dead. The Roman army were among the most ruthless armies in the whole world. They were very, very disciplined. And part of the reason for that is because the penalties for lack of discipline or not doing your job properly was the death penalty. So a Roman soldier who failed to make sure that he had executed someone properly would have faced the death penalty. So they made sure that Jesus really was dead on that cross. There's absolutely no doubt about it. 
And yet we have these reports, these accounts of his first disciples by those who knew him. After three days, he came back to life again. And even Paul, who we're told in the book of Acts, hated the early Christians. He went out to persecute them, to have them arrested and thrown into prison. But he has an encounter with the risen Jesus when he is on his way to Damascus and he's thrown off his horse. That man's life is never the same again. The disciples who were after Jesus' crucifixion were huddled together in a room, terrified that they were going to be next, full of fear. Something dramatic happened to them that changed these men and transformed them into the bold witnesses for Christ. Every single one of them died a martyr's death, horrific deaths, because they would not renounce the good news of Jesus or the message that Jesus had risen from the dead. And all of them but one, which was the Apostle John, died a horrible martyr's death. And we're told that the only reason that John survived is that somehow God had miraculously preserved his life. I think is that the final witness of the New Testament. Although they did try to kill him, they tried to boil him in oil and in water, and they ended up putting him in exile on the island of Patmos until he was an old man. And then moving on, rising again, Jesus also seals our salvation. It's so important that we understand this as well. In Paul's letter to the Romans chapter 4, he tells us Jesus, that is, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Now that word justification literally means that we who are guilty of our sins are declared just and innocent before God. That's what that literally means. So in other words, you know, thinking back to what I was saying last week, that on the cross, Jesus took upon himself the penalty for our sins that we all rightly deserve, not just our individual sins, but of everyone's sins, everyone who would come and put their faith in Jesus. All their sins were laid on him on the cross. And in exchange, we are declared innocent by God. Jesus is found guilty, not because of his own sin, but because of ours. And then we are declared innocent. That's what it means to be justified. But why is that connected with the resurrection? Well, it's because the resurrection of Jesus proves that his death was not in vain. The resurrection of Jesus proves that we really have been forgiven our sins by his death on the cross. The resurrection of Jesus is the final vindication for everything that Jesus did in his life, his perfect holiness, his righteousness, and the way that he laid down his life for us as a sacrifice on the cross. You remember, some of you may remember Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan, when John the Baptist baptizes him, and there's a dove appears over his head, and a voice from heaven is heard by all those standing there. It says, this is my beloved son in whom 
I am well pleased. It was God the Father at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and the dove symbolizing God the Holy Spirit who were with him there at his baptism. Uh, vindicating Jesus at the beginning of his ministry and the final vindication of Jesus is at his resurrection when God the Father raised him from the dead. It proves that Jesus achieved everything he went out to achieve and that it means that you and I really are forgiven. You know, so often that is something that we can doubt very much. We can ask ourselves, how do I know that God has really forgiven me? How do I know that Jesus' death on the cross has taken my sins? Jesus proved it by rising from the dead. All of your sins have been dealt with by the death of Jesus and by his resurrection. In this verse from 1 Corinthians 15 and 17 to 20, the Apostle Paul also says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, if Christ, Christ has not been raised from the dead, we haven't been forgiven. We're still living in our sins, carrying our own sins. But Paul is saying that is not the truth. The truth is that Christ really has been raised from the dead. And also, he is the, what is called the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, what Paul is saying, that those who have died... Jesus is the first of those to be resurrected with new resurrected bodies. And all of us who are in Christ, all of us who put our trust in him and have had our sins forgiven by his death on the cross, just as Jesus rose again from the dead, we too will be like him one day. And this is incredibly good news. I'm going to finish with this verse. It's from John chapter 11 and verse 25, where Jesus is talking to Martha. Some of you may remember the story of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Lazarus had died and Jesus was very close uh, to Lazarus and Mary and Martha. We're told that Jesus wept at Lazarus' grave. Um, he was filled with sorrow at what had happened. But, but if you read on, we find Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb and Lazarus himself comes back to life. But before this, Jesus says this to Martha, before they see this incredible miracle before their eyes. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And this is the same promise to you and to me. So when we put our trust in Jesus and we believe in him and who he is and what he has done for us, when we trust in him, God has given us this promise that even though we die, we shall live. That at the moment of our death, our spirit will be in the presence of Jesus. We will be reunited with our loved ones in Christ in heaven. 
And then on the day when Jesus returns, on the, the day of judgment, we will receive new physical bodies that will join with our spiritual body in heaven. And we will experience that same resurrection life that Jesus had when he rose again from the dead. This is the, this is the good news. This message is for everyone. It's not just for some people. There's no one excluded from the offer of the gospel that Jesus uh, ha hands out to us. The offer is there. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, he shall live. You have that offer today. I know many of you watching will already have made that step and put your trust in Jesus Christ as Saviour. But perhaps some watching today have never done that. Maybe you've been just watching for the first time today, or maybe you've been watching for a wee while or listening. But I'd encourage you to take that step towards God, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He will give you a new life. And that life is, yes, it starts today, but it will continue for eternity. When you die, your life does not end then, but your life will continue with Jesus in heaven. And in case anyone thinks heaven is a boring place, I can assure you that heaven with God is going to be a great adventure. We have this whole universe to explore and to enjoy with God for eternity. Without all the bad stuff that we have to experience here in this life. So life with God is a blessing, yes for today, but so much more for the future. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is risen from the dead. We thank you that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive. And because he has conquered death, so death is not the end for any of us as we put our trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who has not yet put their faith in you, who has yet to take that step and put their hand in your hand. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage today to acknowledge Jesus as Saviour, to acknowledge that they are sinners and in need of your forgiveness, to accept what Jesus has done for them on the cross, that he has paid for their sins and has forgiven them completely, but also rose again from the dead to secure for them the gift of eternal life. Lord, give them your peace as they step into your kingdom. And may they know your presence forever. And Lord, for those who are watching or listening today, who have lost loved ones, who perhaps during this message have been thinking of family members that are no longer with us. Lord, I pray that you would give them reassurance. The reassurance of the good news of the gospel. That Christ is risen. That death 
is defeated. And that in Christ Jesus, we have everlasting life and hope for today and for tomorrow. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we come to the end of our service today. And uh, I'm just going to pray God's blessing and let you all on your way and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. So now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. Amen. So thank you to everyone watching uh, on Facebook and YouTube today and also to those listening by telephone. Uh, Please take care and we'll be back at the same time uh, next week. So take care everyone and I'll see you soon.